Welcome to the Insightful Player Podcast with your host, Chrissy Carew. In each episode, Chrissy interviews NFL players and other professional athletes to help transform our culture to be inclusive, kinder, and more loving. We hope to turn everyone into insightful players in their own lives. Chrissy is also the author of the book, Insightful Player, featuring over a dozen stories where football pros lead a bold movement of hope. You can learn more about her book, Chrissy's coaching programs, and more episodes of this show at www.theinsightfulplayer.com. You can also watch other episodes on YouTube and listen through all the major podcast platforms. Now, here's the host of Insightful Player, Chrissy Carew. The entire Insightful Player podcast initiative is dedicated to the late Tom Constantino. Tom Constantino was my PR consultant. He was over the moon fabulous. He introduced me to so many people, including in the sports world where I didn't know anyone. He really introduced my book to the entire world. And he always inspired me. He was so dedicated and he encouraged me so often, especially when I got down. He was really an exceptional human being. And Insightful Player wouldn't have made it to where it is now if it wasn't for Tom. So Tom, up there in heaven, I just want you to know you're going to live in my heart forever. And I am forever grateful for you. Thank you. Welcome to the Insightful Player podcast. My name is Chrissy Carew, and I'm the founder. I created Insightful Player in 2009, and I just brought it back because I was frustrated with all the anger and and bigotry and bullying out there in the world. And we're here, Jarvis and I are here today to bring more inclusion, kindness and love into the world. And we're hoping you'll join us and be part of this movement because we all have it in us. And if we all do it together, my goodness gracious, um, it will make a big difference. And we can transform our culture to, just like we said, to be more inclusive, kinder and more loving. So thank you for joining in. Today we have a very special guest, Jarvis Green. I met Jarvis back in 2009 when I started writing my book. At the time, he was playing with the Patriots, and his story inspired the heck out of me. Um, he had an amazing childhood. He overcame an amazing amount of obstacles, tremendous. And he built a lot of resilience, which he's going to talk about today. And with the Patriots, he went to three Super Bowls, but won um, only two. And if any Patriots and um, fans out there, you remember it was the perfect season where they won every game and everyone thought they'd win the Super Bowl too, but it didn't happen. So that was a real hardship for not just uh, the Patriots, but all of us fans too. <laughs> um, and he's a proud father of three children. He has two wonderful businesses that I'm gonna, he's going to talk about. His resilience is one of his greatest gifts. He cares so much about others. He gives a lot. He had a wonderful foundation where it really helped single women um, who are having a tough time, um, single moms. And he also has done some work with some young kids in Costa Rica. And now I can tell you all about that as well. But his two businesses are awesome. And I'm gonna let him say everything about that and you're gonna be inspired by his story. So welcome, Jarvis. Hey, Chrissy, how you doing? Good, so glad to have you here today. Same here. Thank you very much. Oh, 
Well, so we have so much to talk about, but I thought it might be kind of fun to go down memory lane and mm -hmm. just let our viewers just know more about your story when you started out as a kid. I know it wasn't easy for you. Um, and one of the, my favorite stories is like most siblings, you and your twin, he's a twin, um, used to get into scuffles like most siblings did. And you came up with a strategy to help you stay calm. And um, can you tell us about that? Yeah, so I have my twin brother, Jason, um, down in Lemonville, Louisiana. The town is Donaldsonville, Louisiana. And outside, well, it's right between Baton Rouge and New Orleans, right right on the levee. And growing up, my brother and I, we always used to get in these scuffles and these fights. And, I mean, you know, my brother's keeper. I mean, that's him. But at the same time, we, we it was hard for us to share, you know, all the time. And I remember as we got older and, and older, I remember my eighth grade year, it was the summer going into my ninth grade year. Was it ninth? Ninth? Nope. I'm sorry. Let me go back. It was, I was in ninth grade, but I was going to my 10th grade. So my brother in, in ninth grade, we still got into these big fights, but we was getting bigger and getting stronger. So it was so many funny times that, you know, we, we broke, you know, front door, windows, <laughs> fish tanks. And the last fight we had, we broke the fish tank. We kicked the, the door in inside the house. My mom was like, you know what? I'm tired of this. Uh, somebody has to leave. So me being the older kid, since I was a twin, I got pulled out first, one minute older. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom was like, you need to leave, leave the house. So for me, as I was leaving the house, I was walking and walking. And this wasn't just one time. We always got these scuffles. So I was leaving the house more than once. And then one day I said, you know what? Let me start jogging. Why well, just walk, you know? So times have changed, right? Back in the day, I couldn't just go get a watch to, to, to see how much I was jogging. So since I was jogging, I mean, since I was walking, I said, let me go get a spray can. Uh, and then I got into my parents' car. And I drove around and got a one one mile marker and I put an X on the ground and then I did two miles, X, three miles, X, four, X. And parked the car. And from that, every time I got, in, you know, we and my brother got into a fuss or argument before we get in a fight, I go and I started jogging. So my, my walking became jogging and jogging more and more to the point I was jogging four, five, six miles every other day. And then it became a habit. I just kept doing it. But I didn't know that it was helping me uh, in my sports world because I love football, played football. And that's kind of how that started, you know. So it, it did something for me. Intent, it wasn't intentional, but it became something that was, that was helping me, but it became a good habit. You know, now, of course, my brother and I, we still kept fighting. It wasn't as bad. You know, we grew up, kind of grew out of that, you know. So that was ninth grade. But in the seventh grade is when I first started playing organized football. So that was very weird, too, because people look at me now, uh, you know, uh, on my past that I played Super Bowl, I was successful with the, with the New England Patriots. But one time in my life, I was a kid that was scared of contact. And in the seventh grade, I remember going against my cousin, twice the size of me, full beard in the eighth grade. And I remember we was doing these tackling drills. I think it was in the Omaha and Nebraska tackling drills. And I remember that I tried to tackle him and it wasn't, it wasn't a great outcome. And I remember him, um, oh my goodness, knocking, knocking my helmet off. And I got up and I'm looking around 
like a member. I, I, I quit. <laughs> I quit. I mean, I took my helmet off. Well, it was twice, right? Because the second time we got up again, and I remember Coach, uh, he was like, Green, Coach Rabelais, rest his soul. Green, get up there. Get up there. You know, don't, don't be soft on me. Go out there and make the tackle. And I couldn't. The second time, he twisted my helmet around, and I thought I swallowed my mouthpiece. From that, I got up. I left. I said I quit. This isn't for me. I just didn't want the contact. But I remember my uh, high, my middle school football coach chasing me down into the locker room, talking to me, screaming at me, talking about not being a quitter, not giving up. And he was like, hey, I'm going to tell your parents. I'm like, okay, whatever, whatever. I'm still walking into the showers. Then he said, I'm going to tell your brothers, your older brothers. That's when I stopped dead in my tracks and I turned around. Because, I mean, my brothers, they'll, they'll come home and, and beat me up, you know, throw me around. Uh, you know, I mean, I was your older brother. I love them to death. They were my heroes. So I turned around, went back out there, and then I had to go back and tackle the same guy for the rest of the year. And I always tell people this. I say, did I ever get him down? No, I didn't. He was a big guy. But after that, I just couldn't quit. I mean, it was more to it, you know, but it also it shaped me and molded me and to the person I am today, because if I ever would have quit that day in the seventh grade, where would I be now? You, you really don't know. So it's, it's more or less uh, going through it, fighting through it. Again, nothing's ever easy. If you want to gain something in life, it's never easy. It's always going to be a battle. It's always going to be hard. And for me at that age in my life, I had to take that into understanding. And it was hard at first, but then it made me the person I am today. That's a great story. And, you know, we all have moments where we want to quit and you just hung in there. And in the same with your jogging, I remember when you were telling me that jogging story as well, that you were out in hailstorms, thunderstorms, and, and your outburst reminded me of the movie Forrest Gump, you know, that you're well, the way you well, were running. Well, you know what, too, Christy, it's funny because like Forrest Gump is one thing. And I know when I was doing that, I was a big Rocky fan. And ah. I started is a Rocky fan, but I remember him working out the different workouts and when he was chasing the chickens. I've never did that. I've thought about it many times, but when he started, when he went to Russia, he had to go train in the snow and everything he was doing was what he had around his environment. So, so that was a lot of motivation as well. So I've done so many different things. I remember I had a hurricane coming. I was running out before the, you know, the wind, the tropical storm. I'm running through the rain many times. I'm running through the through the sugarcane fields. I'm running behind the levee on the beach, up and down the levee. I try to do all the different things that was around me and take advantage of them. And, and I mean, and it, it all helps because we couldn't just get up get up back in the day and go to a gym and right. have a have a weekly workout or have a personal trainer. It's so different now than the way it was back in the day. Absolutely. And um, and you didn't even have it easy early on because um, it's hard to believe someone like you was picked on. You know, you were bullied by some kids and um, your parents gave you an ultimatum. Can you share that with us, too? Yeah. So what I was that was interesting. I think I was in the third grade and uh, well, there's a few times where I had a few uh, situations. So I remember one situation in the third grade and I also had a situation uh, that was in the, I think I was in the, yeah, third grade. And then I had a seventh, eighth. So third grade, I remember uh, I had this guy and he was a bully. And I remember we got in a fight three times in the same year. Uh, but he was my cousin, but he was like from the town. Your cousin? <laughs> yeah. 
So we didn't like, grow up together, but he was from the town, the next town over, but we all went to the same school. And I could remember him, you know, and it was like teasing, throwing stuff at me in the classroom. And I was never the big guy I am today. And my dad always say, though, you know, respect yourself, you know, take care of yourself, protect yourself. And this kid kept doing the same thing. And, um, and, and I remember getting in a fight with him because he kept doing it, kept doing it. And then I remember the day my dad was like, you know, just my dad said, you can't you can go to the next step pretty much. And he was bullying me, you know, and, and it was it was sad. It was embarrassing at the time. And you tell the teacher at the time, it just like no one really did anything because it wasn't really like that, that, that word, you know, and it wasn't a bad thing. Well, we ended up fighting three times. And I remember the, after the third time, I'm sitting in the office with my dad, with the principal, because they start talking about juvenile home. And I don't know if that was real or not, but it was scaring the, the, the living heck out of me. So they were talking about the juvenile home or they were talking about being suspended for the rest of the year. You know, and I was a good student. So that would have been really detrimental to me to get ex expelled because you're fighting the same guy or the same kid, you know, in the classroom. So that was a time that I had to make a choice for myself in the third grade because it didn't stop. It, you know, after that happened, you know, we was in ISSP and, and we got into an ISSP one time. And, and so I got this one kid and I missed, I think, over 15 days of school because of this kid. And then, you know, and in school, it had to get up to 20 to be to be held back. So I, I stopped after that. And, and I was just quick before he did anything. I just made sure it got to the point that I went straight to the principal and I was telling the principal, you know, and, and I told my parents again, and this was this system was crazy. But you know what? We all have a chance to fight our fears and to fight our battles. We, we all do. We all have opportunity to, to see a, bright, a brighter light, to make a change, you know, in, in mm -hmm. a situation. So I learned from that, you know, and then I had another situation when I was in middle school and they had kids going around. And like in middle school, it was more or less that we had to just keep running and keep running, you know, and, and, this, and this, this kid was a lot older than us. So the good thing is that we wasn't in the same classrooms, you know, but, but I mean, you go through it, you know, and I had to face him as well at some point. Had to face that bully. And um, things work out for the best, you know. So it, it it all goes on. It's even worse now today, you know. So the thing I tell kids about just standing up and make sure you tell the, the adults around you, tell the principal, tell the teacher. If you have to write a letter, put the person name down, write the letter, give it to those in charge, you know, because it's a serious thing right now and it's not fair to those kids who are getting bullied. Yeah, it's a horrible thing um, when kids get bullied. And um, it's amazing um, how much you were able to resist back when you were in third grade, even though your cousin yeah. kept um, taunting you and making fun of your clothes and your hair. And I remember you telling me that story. So good for you. So here you are at a very young age starting to build this resilience, which you have so much of. And we'll get more into that, everyone. Jarvis's story is amazing. Then in high school, um, you had to become the man of the house, right? Your, your, your junior and senior years, um, you had, in addition to going to school full-time, playing sports, you also had to work like 20 to 25 hours a week. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So at that time when I was in school, it was more like a lot of things changed. I remember my dad and my mom, um, 
they got separated when I was, I think, going from 11 to 12th grade. So my 11th grade year was just like uh, a, a lot went on. You know, I had to become the man in the house. And I remember I went and got my first, well, not my first job, but I guess my, my first job working in the retail. I worked at Winn-Dixie. So working 20, 25 hours, you know, playing football, being a student. And the biggest thing was just was, was making some money because my mom and dad was more or less um, the house, the cars, everything that they owned, it was all splitting it up, you know, or, or we had, well, the house went to foreclosure. So now the debt started racking up and all the the banks and all was coming to take all, take everything, right? Uh, but for me, the biggest thing was that we stayed at the home, but we still had to pay for the little things, you know, the, the water, um, the electric, uh, to put some food in our, in our stomach in the refrigerator. Um, it was tough times. I, I mean, and the biggest thing for me was that as a kid moving forward, I had to continue to be a student because that was very important. Go to school, um, you know, get a degree, graduate. My mom always taught us that to keep moving, moving forward in education. You have the opportunity, but also playing the sports and hopefully one day going to you know a college and getting earning a scholarship because we didn't have any money to, to pay for anything, you know. But at the same time, my biggest thing was getting up in the morning, working out, getting my waist before the bus, get to school. And when I got to school, I'm going to say this, I was very, um, I kept things separated. So I was good at that, um, putting things in a box and, and moving to the next. And when it's time to go back to that box, I open that box up. You know, so when I went to school, I was a student. The other thing I had to do. And then I had to work out, I'll go to practice after school. And when I had my time, I went to work. Uh, depending on the day of the week. Because I remember days after a Friday night game, I was packing bags, pushing uh, shopping baskets at Winn-Dixie the next day. So it became a time that I couldn't make all the meetings uh, for film. So I told Coach, I need to go make some money. And Coach was letting me do that, you know. Now, sometimes it was a big game. I had to be there, but then I would work after. But Coach was open, and he gave me – that time to go and make some money at the store and you know and it was the same thing with the store so they all worked they all worked for me so it's kind of crazy now how people are looking for work looking for jobs you know in the day we live in and now with COVID the pandemic and so many different things that goes on and back in the day I just remember making that four dollars and 88 cents just trying to you know at the end of the week just to have money to pay the bills and have food in the house it was a tough time for my mom. And I had my brother there too. He was working, she was working a little bit. Um, but for me, I didn't go to the prom. I didn't do all the little things that you do when you when you go into your junior to your senior year. It's more about you taking care of the house and making sure my mom was okay. Yeah, it's amazing how how much you took care of your mom and um and your family and being the dedicated dad that you are now. And again, that traveled into into college when you were at LSU, which everyone, by the way, um, you had a car accident and you had a fractured back for like all four years, right? And yeah, uh, it, it's very and yes, because I had two car accidents, and, and I'm thinking about it now. It wasn't the first car accident; I think it was the second because I got T-bone. Had to be 
You know, so from that point, wow. And, and it's, it's, to think about it now, that had to be the accident because after that, I remember going to my red shirt, well, my, fr my freshman year, and I started having these pains in my back. Like if I sat on the floor and kind of like a seat roll, and I had this pain, it was a sharp pain every time around my L4, L5. And it got worse. It got worse. It got so bad to the point that I started, I had to go to the doctor in Dallas. I went to the doctor in Tulane. I went to different medical doctors to looking at my MRI. Everybody was trying to figure out what was going on. And the pain got so bad that I wore, I wore a brace from my neck down to my hip. Oh, uh, like like a uh, plexi. What is it? Like like plastic, hard plexi. Uh, I don't know what it's called. Mold shaped up to my spine on both sides with a belt to go around. And I wore it for about four months, and I got to some extensive rehab. It was terrible. So that was that was going into my redshirt freshman year, and I dealt with this back pain for almost two two and a half years. But when I was dealing with it, I started taking oxycodone. Oh, did you ever get addicted to it? No, I didn't. Wow. I didn't. I know going into my sophomore, junior year, I can remember, I'm going to say this, it was so much because like when, when they had me doing the rehab, I was missing a week of practice, I go back out and then like it starts back over. The pain, you know, and, and, and I'm hurting. Every time I used to hit somebody, I was shedding tears. You know, every time I was making, making a play, and, and I got to say, I had a great, freshman year i made it all american and and then i mean we we had losing seasons but i was successful in the field but i said i can't do this the rest of my life live off of these freaking pain pills i can't and then i remember my sophomore junior year it was the night before we had a spring game and i remember getting on my knees i had my um I had my room guy there, my, my room suite guy, he was there. And I say, forgive me, but I got some things I got to do. He was in the room. I got on my knees and I prayed for hours, prayed. Redundant, asking the same prayer, asking just for strength, humility. Help me, help me, please. And I was, it was more about like getting rid of the pain killers, the pain pills, the painkillers that I could play with my wits. I could pull my whistle and continue, you know? And I can remember that same night I got up, I went and cause we was like in a, um, we was in a dorm room, but then we had the community bathroom. I went in and all my pain pills, I flushed them down the toilet. Oh. That was the last time I chewed a painkiller, pain pill to play football. And what was that like playing without them? It was painful, but I mean, I had, I had a greater strength you know, there for me. You know, I had a greater power, you know, and, and my faith, my faith won. Your faith won. That's a beautiful story. And, um, and, and even with all of that injury, you know, you got drafted by the Patriots, um, which is amazing that, you know, how, how you got there. In, in, oh, you, know what? you know what, Chris, it, too? it is because I remember when I went to the Combine, they was all looking at my back, MRI, X-rays. I was down in in in, in the, um, the X-ray rooms and MRI room like for hours because a few players who had, I guess, injuries from college, they were making sure that it was okay to get drafted, that it wouldn't be any hiccups for those teams that drafted these guys. And I remember the same surgeon 
He was a spine surgeon for the Dallas Cowboys, Dr. Jerome or something. He was the guy that was over all the doctors when it came to the spinal injuries. And he, uh, I, I was praying in, but he, he waved me clear to play that I'll be okay. I had, now I'm going to say this, at the end of the day, I had an L4, L5, I had a bulging disc, I had a, a collapsed disc, I had a, I had a, some, some of my discs had no, um, you know, like the, the gel. And then I had a, I had the spondylolisthesis L4, L5. I mean, I was in, I was in terrible pain. And, and I thank God because, like, I did so many different things when I got to the NFL, stretching more, doing more acupuncture, doing more chiropractic, staying, just taking care of my body. You know, so all through NFL, I went through these pains, you know, so these pains would come and go, but I had to keep doing those different things and those treatments, you know, every day or every week just to uh, survive. But at the same time, my tolerance, I think one thing about us as human beings that our tolerance and our minds are so strong that we can do anything. You know, we just got to let our mind, you know, put our mind to work. We have to have faith. We have to have strength. But we, we, we are some strong human beings. We are strong people in this animal kingdom. You know, so I think for me, that was a, a big thing. Because I also did Tai Chi as well uh, through, through college and through the NFL. So a lot of things I had to do to cope. So I don't want to be sitting there popping pills every day. So that would that would have been the worst of me if it would have got to that point. How, how are you feeling today? I mean, how is your body now? Uh, I mean, I feel great. I mean, I've been through so much stuff. I mean, when I got done towards the end of my career, I got to say, I, I did stem cell. I did the actual real stem cell that took out the, my bone marrow out of my hip. Oh, wow. they, they, it, the stem cell came out. They re-injected it in all the areas I had injury or had surgery in my career. So my range of motion and my knees ain't the best, but I got to say life is great. I don't take painkillers. I don't even take ibuprofen unless I have a headache. But if I take anything like that, it's for my headaches, not for my body. And my body don't ache every day. So I thank God for that. I know a lot of guys that play pro football, pro sports, that they ache every single day. I know. And 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 you have headaches from concussions or anything like that from well, football? I, I get I get yeah, I probably had a concussion every game. A mild concussion, maybe two every, or three. Every game, every game, did you say? Oh yeah. I mean, it, it was a time when the coach used to be like, hey, if that arm hurts, use the other arm. They use the other leg. So it was a time that it was about tough being tough on the field, about going back out there. And we didn't know. We was hurting ourselves uh, for long term for long term abuse with the head and the hits. I mean, football is a tough sport. I mean, there are other sports in the world as well that is very detrimental and serious to the brain. But I think everybody had their issues, you know, and um, it's just something you can't get away get get away from for having a concussion. Wow! Uh, and 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 do you have many headaches now? Well, I mean, they, they come and go. Um, not as I mean, I'm gonna say this when I played ball, I never really had headaches. When I right when I retired, the headaches started coming. So, um, are you checked regularly just to make sure you're okay? Yeah, yeah, I do. Sometimes I think I'm losing it, sometimes I think I'm going crazy, but but I'm okay. You're okay, good. But you're so resilient, you're unbelievable. Thank you. Um, and, and just before we move on, I want you know, with your career and with the Patriots, 
um, I just want to acknowledge you for when you were in college and your mom lost her home. But she came yes. and lived. She came and lived with you at college. I just want to share this story because you're just so loyal to your family and you're so loving and you just care so much for everybody and you really care about your mom. It's so very touching. Thank you. So um, yeah, in college I was on campus with my brother about a year and a half. Uh, we got into a big fight, <laughs> right? And um, I went the next day and told Coach Donardo, I said, Coach, this is where we're at right now. My brother and I got in a fight. You heard about the fight. I would like to get released from the dorm. And I found an apartment, and I want my mom to live with me as well because she's going through hard times. And I told at the time I had a 3.0. That was the undergrad classes at 3.0. And I'm like, I'm a, I'm a good guy. I'm always there. I always show up. You know, if anything from me, um, I do my job. So I'm asking you, coach, can I be released? Because we had to stay there for two years before you could go and have an option to move off campus. Because mm -hmm. uh, then they have all the different dorms that they have now on LSU campus that they had when, we, when I played. So he, he, he pretty much gave me the okay. He blessed it, and I went and got an apartment, and my mama moved in. And from that point on through college, my mom lived with me pretty much um, pretty much for about two and a half years until she got straight because I was in school for about five years uh, because I got red shirt. So my mom was always there for me, you know, and then I moved around, and wherever I moved around, she was there with me. Um, we, we had good times. She was protected. She was safe. And I still was the student, and I still was the student athlete. So I still went to school and went to class and practiced uh, football every day. Wow. I went to football season. Well, and, and just recently, you were taking care of your family with um, Hurricane Ida, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. We, we lost power for about five days. My brother, I have an older brother. He's 51. Uh, we bought a house together last year, June. So when, when my mom, but my mom lives like in a place called Laplace. So Laplace got destroyed. So she's out of her place. It's here for about four months. It got condemned. And she always come to Baton Rouge with us because usually she come, I have my kids and we just have a big, happy family. We're having a good time hanging out. But Hurricane Ida was pretty, it was, it was good. I'm going to say this. It was bad. It was good because it was silver linings. We had no power, but we was hanging out. We were sharing stories. We had the candles on. We was barbecuing. We was catching up, you know. So sometimes there's disaster, but, you know, we pray every day that people survive from disaster. Mother, But Mother Nature, she's something, right? You know, you know, so in these tough times, I mean, we just hang out as a family and enjoy each other. And, and you don't have all the technology. That, 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 that caused interference, you know? Right. Well, that's beautiful. You always look on the upside, and that's great. You have that intimacy with your family and looking for the blessings um, in spite of the crisis, which was a huge crisis, yes. you know? very, very. Um, wow. So, um, you know, we're going to do a two-part series with you because you have such an interesting life, and you're very inspiring. You're a wonderful role model. Um, do you want to tell us just a little bit about your NFL career? You, I mean, here you are, someone with a broken back in college, and you end up going to three Super Bowls and winning two. 
Um, my gosh, that's pretty <laughs> a, a big, huge gap you closed, and I, it's yeah. just amazing that you were able to do that, Jarvis. Yeah, it is. Um, so I got drafted fourth round, um, two thousand two, right after they won the first Super Bowl, and. 126 pick out of LSU, went to New England. They just beat uh, the St. Louis Rams. So my first year, we went nine and seven. And I played eight years with the New England Patriots, seeing so many great guys come and go, play with the great Tom Brady, you know. Um, just just a great – I mean, Teddy Bruce gave Mike Vrabel, Roman Pfeiffer, Ted Johnson, Rosalind Coven, Ty Law. Uh, Junior Seah, Corey Dillon, Dennis Thomas. I could go on and on. Kevin Falk, Troy Brown, so many guys, you know, and just was blessed to have the opportunity to play for the coach Bill Belichick, Mr. Kraft. I think our worst worst year was way 97. That was my second year. And then the year we went 10 and 6 when uh, Brady blew his knee. Matt Castle came in. We didn't go to the playoffs. But just those eight years was so much, did so much on the field, off the field, the community. I also was a Ron Burton Award winner. That's a big deal as well. Ron Burton being the first African-American to play for the team, I think, in 1961. Can you tell us more about that? Can you tell us more about winning that award? Ron Burton, it's a community award. I mean, the breaking down is pretty much whoever does the most events in the one calendar year they get that award and you got to put in your family time. You got to put in your work time and you got to put in those other extra events. So I know for me during, and I think it's, I think it's during the football season, like the year before. So like the year before, I think I did maybe 12 or 14 events. You know, we only got 16 weeks of football, right? Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. Those events are not like 20 minutes events. I mean, some of them are two to four hours. So really you put that time in and uh, and you get, you know, you get, I guess you get a top five and they vote on it, you know. So for sort of do that, community service on top of your hundred hours a week of football and your family life, that says a lot about that person and the individual that makes them special, you know. So every year, somebody, one special person gets to Ron Burton Award. And that's kind of the way it is. So it's not something you just give, that they just give away. No, and, no. You, you did no. a lot of you did a lot of charity work. Um, yeah, a lot of charity work, you know. So so I still do the Ron Burton stuff, you know, when I'm up here before COVID, I go out to his camp in West Mass and we do stuff with the kids. I bring my kids as well. Uh it just was great. You know, I couldn't went to any other team, you know, in the league, but but I went to New England, so the camaraderie and the things they even do now to this day, the, the community impact is so big and the footprint just to be part of the New England Patriots. I mean, Mr. Kraft, people may talk about owners, but that guy there, I mean, he, he's he's every owner's owners. I mean, he, everybody want to be Mr. Kraft. Yeah. Um, everybody want that organization just, just to have that DNA, you know, because they do things not just because they do them because they want to do them and it means something to them. Right, and, and absolutely. And is that when you um, worked with the single mothers to help them after Katrina? Oh, was that, was that no, later? I did that after Katrina. I did that with Katrina. I did that. Okay, I did that when Katrina hit, and I just did it out of my you know, just myself because growing up, my mom and dad always did things in the community. We was always there helping people and always giving. 
my mom and dad always did that. And we saw that as little ones and we looked up, you know, so when we was able to do things for other people, I, I did the same thing. Um, you know, and I mean, when Katrina hit, I lost a lot of family members when Katrina hit. I lost like seven family members. I didn't know that. You lost seven family members? I mean, it was elderly. Yeah. Was oh, so elderly. Was, oh, that's awful. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, it was just tough times. I mean, even like one of my cousins got shot by the police. He was on the, on the spillway because he was mentally uh, challenged and they thought he had a gun and the cops shot him. And then his brother got, got beat up by the cops going to Mississippi. Yeah, it was a bad time. Katrina was bad. So all that going on, it was more or less that the things that I do, I mean, I just wanted to do my part and, and, and give back and help as much as I could possibly, you know, and then I did. And uh, it was very hard, hard feeling and it was touched. I mean, it was, it was just emotional at the same time, just dealing with all of that, you know, but with the Patriots, so much stuff happened. I mean, one of my best friends drowned, Marquise Hill. You know, he drowned uh, during Memorial Weekend, and he drowned uh, in New Orleans on the jet ski. And I remember right after that happened, I remember um, Mr. Kraft talking to me about, hey, Jarvis, what you think I should do for the family? I said, pay for the funeral. Mm -hmm. He paid for the funeral. Wow. That was you know? so sad. I went down there because they said I could be excused that I was Marquis mentor. And then I was shocked. The entire team came to the funeral. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. So little things like that, you know, to be a part of the organization. I mean, everybody talks about football, but there's so much to talk about in the community and off the field. So much. Right. The culture is a very loving family culture. Yeah, it is. And that's what we need in our world now. Um, yeah. and, um, and we're going to, everybody, we're going to talk in part two about, um, what, uh, Jarvis has done since the NFL, but before we, um, finish this interview, can you just share what it was like to, you know, after winning two Super Bowls and then to go to the, the Yankees, I'm not the Yankees. I have Boston Red Sox <laughs> on my mind, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bad word. Yankees. <laughs> I'm, excuse me to lose that Super Bowl, which was such a shock to everybody. And I know that was tough for you because you and I talked right after that. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, look, 03, 04, we went back to back. Tremendous seasons. I mean, we went 17 and 2 back to back. And those years was just, I mean, lightning, you know, pizzazz, I mean, excitement. The defense played great. The offense played great. It was just a rush, 0304 for me. And I know winning the first one, I remember everybody asking for tickets and going to the Super Bowl. And we like, this would never happen again. Oh, just our luck. It happened again. It's the same thing. So the experience is never gets dull. I mean, ask Tom Brady about that, right? You know, I think he played in 10 plus Super Bowls, you know. So, just best times of our lives, you know, going, doing that, you playing at the, at the top of your your level, you're playing NFL football, you've been playing football since we was always little kids, and just to go out there on the greatest stage of the world, in the world, 
and to be successful. Not one, not two, you know, so, but so many times, you know. And I can tell people about also 2007, we went undefeated. Uh, we broke so many records. You know, Randy Moss came in. Brady had the 50 touchdowns. Uh, Moss had the 22 touchdowns receiving. The defense was flawless. We made so many big plays, turnovers, going to Arizona and losing to the Giants. Um, it was tough. That was tough, you know. But that's that's the game. That's the way it's played, you know. I mean, until, until the last whistle is blown, you know. And retiring, you know, coming back home. And, and to this day, you know, those years are still talked about, you know. So, like I always said, I could have went to another team and not have one winning season. So, I'm, I'm very blessed to go to the Patriots and have the success that I've had what that type of team and, and that type of company. That's great. And, you know, being a New England fan myself, I was so happy to have you on our team. <laughs> For sure. Definitely. Well, good. And so, um, so everybody, next time we're going to talk about um, what Jarvis has been doing since he retired and some of the obstacles that you won't believe he overcame um, and what a successful businessman and trailblazer he is. He's amazing, um, but it hasn't been easy, has it, Jarvis? It hasn't been easy. No, no, it has not been easy, and I'm still going, still going. He's still going, yeah. You, you inspire me every day, and we're going to talk about that next time, and so I hope you'll tune in, and Jarvis, thank you very much, and I want to thank everybody for listening, and just go out and do something kind for someone today because we all need kindness. That will really help our culture, you know, to be more inclusive, to be kinder and more loving. Thank you. Thank you for watching and listening to the Insightful Player Podcast with your host, Chrissy Carew. Chrissy is also the author of the book, Insightful Player, featuring over a dozen stories where football pros lead a bold movement of hope. You can learn more about her book, Chrissy's coaching programs, and more episodes of the show at www.theinsightfulplayer.com. We hope to turn everyone into insightful players in their own lives. You can also watch other episodes on YouTube and listen through all the major podcast platforms. Thank you for your comments, reviews, and sharing the show with others.